Welcome to See Beneath Your Beautiful, where guests share stories of adversity and perseverance, which inspire, encourage, and challenge us. We embrace these tough conversations, intimately exploring our loves, fears, and hopes with a delicious combination of depth and lightness. Hi, my name is John Giordano. I'm a recovering addict. I'm coming up on 38 years in recovery. I do these podcasts and I write books and I do all this to help God kids. My father was a heroin dealer. My family was like a mafia type of family. Matter of fact, my uncle was a hitman and he threw my wedding and uh, Kaner insulted him in front of my family. So he killed him the next morning. So then we had to leave town real quick, my new bride and I. I only went to the ninth grade. My father got arrested because he was a heroin dealer and went to jail when I was eight. I got molested when I was eight and a half. So I wrote this book. It's the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. To show people that no matter what happens in your life, no matter how far down you go, that you can come back up and be successful. I'm a grandmaster in the martial arts also. I'm in the Black Belt Hall of Fame. I don't know how many times national karate champion. Also, I went to treatment when I was 37 years old. Before I went to treatment, I said it would never be like my dad. I'll never be like them. And I wanted to be just like them. I used to do collection work for the smugglers. I used to sell drugs. I did all the things addicts do. And I wind up going to treatment because my family did an intervention on me. I told you who my family was. Yeah. So, <laughs> right? But I was more out of control than I thought I was. Mm. Anyway, cutting right to it is in the book, it tells my whole story. And let me just read one of the things that I wrote that's for people to understand about my journey. Here is the roadmap for positive change. There is one thing in this world, one special lesson, one constant that has guided me through the turbulent waters of life. This infinite rule, which most people know but ignore, who simply do not follow their life lessons. That is, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, the obstacles, the people that get in our way, or things that slow us down, follow this one simple rule. Never give up on your dreams, never let go of your passions, and especially never give up on yourself or God of your understanding. My name is John Giordano, and I'm a recovering addict who turned $300 into $45 million. When I got into recovery, I went back to school because I only went to the ninth grade. I opened up my first treatment center when I was 16 months clean. And the people I opened it up with weren't the right people and it didn't work out. And as time went by, I went back to school and I got my certifications and my degrees and I got an honorary doctorate degree and I got a whole bunch of things. And I opened up my G&G Holistic Addiction Treatment Program in North Miami Beach, Florida. We started with $300. I had no money. We had bill collectors chasing us. We had all kinds of things going on. I got a partner called Jerry Goldfarb and then his son. After a number of years, we made it start to click. And we became the leaders in alternative medicine when it came to addiction treatment. 
I lecture all over the world. I'm in 79 medical and scientific peer-reviewed journals. I work with about 15 universities, scientists and researchers and clinicians. Now, here's a kid from the South Bronx that went to the ninth grade that comes from the family that I came from. And here's what I'm doing in my life today and over the years. My mother was from the Bronx and I grew up in North Miami Beach. One of my brothers got caught up in the mafia when he was younger and was in and out of rehabs. And at 37, got out of a rehab and OD'd in the back of a taxi cab and died. How are you able to kick it if you went to recovery once? Because he was in and out his whole entire life. What kind of hope can you offer somebody who's struggling over and over to try to get clean and can't? What most people don't understand, it's not just a psychological problem. There's also medical conditions that are co-contributing factors to addiction that oftentimes are not looked at by treatment centers. Okay. First of all, treatment is too short. It's a 28-day model, and it's a 70-year-old model that was founded in Minnesota by these two gentlemen who are students. They came up with this idea. They sold it to Hazleton. Hazleton sold it to the insurance companies, but it was based on alcoholism. And as we know, we got fentanyl, we got methamphetamine, designer drugs today. They damaged the brain much more than alcohol did because alcohol is over time. This is like a short time. Okay. Now, some of the conditions that happen are people have low thyroid, so they can have depression and anxiety. People have what is known as leaky gut syndrome or H. pylori infection causes depression and anxiety. Hypoglycemia causes depression and anxiety. Closed head injuries causes depression, anxiety, and behavioral problems. Okay. So as you can see, there's a host of medical conditions that can cause depression and anxiety. And when people that are predisposed for addiction, I work with Dr. Blum. He's the geneticist who found the addiction gene. There is an addiction gene, which is the main gene. There are a host of other genes, but this is the main gene, which is the DRD2 ALE1 variant gene. Now, we have a test called the GARS test which is the genetic addiction risk score test to see if you have a mild, moderate, or severe propensity for addiction. Now, just because you have that gene doesn't mean you're going to become an addict or an alcoholic because there's such a thing as epigenetics. Epigenetics means the social environment can change the gene expression. Okay. So the length of stay in treatment should be anywhere from 60 to 90 days, number one, depending on the severity of the illness. Because the brain needs time to reorganize itself and to heal. And there are a host of different interventions that we can use in treatment that we generally don't. Mm -hmm. See, my treatment center, we did hyperbaric medicine, which is oxygen under pressure, which originally was used for the bends. Divers go down and they get nitric oxide in their blood. and They have to sit in these chambers for a few hours to rebalance themselves. Then they found that it works for wound healing. I worked with a Dr. Paul Harch, who's a pioneer in hyperbaric medicine, who happened to go to the Senate with Dr. Williamson, and the Senate approved wound healing with hyperbarics for people in the VA that were diabetic. But then they found out it also can help in TBI cases, which is called traumatic brain injury cases. 
So when you do drugs and alcohol, who is going to argue that your brain doesn't get damaged? Right, right. So your brain is not functioning properly. You could talk to the brain all you want. That's like talking to your cut. Okay. You get cut, you're going to talk to it so it can heal. I see what you're saying. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. See, and people don't look at this. Right. We're not looking at this in treatment at all. We're looking at a psychological approach with a short period of time. Somebody's using drugs for 10 years, five years, 20 years, and now they're in there for two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and now we're sending them back out to the same place they came from. Right. Now, there's a third rule. A third of the clients will get well regardless of the type of treatment and regardless of the time of stay in treatment. When I went into treatment, I didn't want to get well. I didn't have a problem. Right. I had a spiritual awakening in treatment. Now, I used to curse God. I didn't want to know about God, God this, God that. I call myself a recovering Catholic. Mm-hmm. What's interesting today, here I am. I'm a chaplain for the North Miami Police Department, and I'm doing God's work. This is how life changes. But see, addicts and alcoholics, they don't want to do it anybody else's way. They want to do it their way. And I always ask them, how's your way working? Right. Oh, it's not working. So maybe you need to see about somebody else's way. Are you saying it's not just finding your higher power, as they say in AA, but you need to to medicate the body, not just try to fix the mind or have faith? Well, here's what you need to do. Okay. Tell in my me. personal opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. Addiction is like a mosaic. It's multifaceted. Some people, all depends where you come from, what level of addiction you have. Not all addiction people, people that have addiction are, are the same. Some people are, are more deeply addicted than others. They come from different socioeconomic positions. Some people don't have any uh, life skills at all. Right. Uh, other people have uh, big businesses and things like that. So everyone's different. Yeah. So the approach, it needs to be different for each person, an individualized approach. Unfortunately, most often the approach is one shoe fits all. And that's the problem. Now, you have to address this not only psychologically, which is very important. Most addicts have an underlying diagnosis. Usually it's attention deficit disorder, bipolar disorder, depression, and so forth. Yeah. What is driving that is what we need to look at instead of fixing the symptoms. And what we do most often is address the symptoms. You see, as far as the pharmaceutical companies go, we're walking cash registers for them because they just keep on doing the symptom work, not what the core issue is. So we have to look in a more comprehensive approach into what's driving these people and what's driving our addiction. Yeah. Most often when people come to treatment, they're volume depleted, means they don't drink enough water, and protein deficient. Now, as most people know, amino acids are the precursors for neurotransmission. That's where how your brain talks to itself. If you don't have enough raw materials to supply the body with that kind of food supply, you're not going to think properly. Mm-hmm. See, and most people's diet, that's why most people here, in, especially in our country, are overweight. Mm-hmm. Diabetes and high blood pressure is, is very common. Is because our food supply is broken. Yeah. It's processed food, high sugar content. People eat too many carbs. We have GMOs. We have all kinds of different things going on. 
So people need to be more cognizant of what they put in their bodies. So my brother happened to be, well, he was in jail a bunch of times because of drugs and was a bodybuilder and you know, was giant and took care of his body. But I think he just was depressed from a young kid. Something was wrong, well, he, you know. I can tell you this. If he was a weightlifter and a bodybuilder, he was on steroids. Oh, maybe. Yes, that's also what causes problems. Oh, okay. Too low testosterone causes depression. Mm. Too high testosterone causes depression and anxiety. Yeah. Most people are looking to medicate these emotional states that they can't deal with normally. Even just the regular Joe. Right. What can you tell somebody who's in the depths of it? When you're in that nightmare, which I've been in, you think the world is over and it doesn't matter if you die because everybody's better off if you're dead, which is not true. Right. And I know it's not true because I've been to a lot of funerals and I see uh, people crying over the person that's dead and they never forget it. And it's with them for the rest of their life. And once you're dead, there's no more hope. See, people think they're a failure. There are no failures in life. There are only lessons. It's what you do with those lessons what makes the difference. Right. Addicts live in the past and they live in the future and they don't live in the present. Therefore, change is very difficult because they keep repeating over and over the same thing. It's not just drugs and alcohol. See, people focus on that. There's gambling. There's eating disorders, compulsive overeaters, anorexia bulimia, there's shopping addiction, there's sex addiction, porn addiction, internet addiction. And people go, well, what's wrong with sex? Nothing at all. But if you're cheating on your wife and you're using unprotected sex and you're putting other people in danger, including yourself, maybe there's something wrong with that. Right. It goes from drugs to alcohol to behaviors, behaviors back to drugs and alcohol. And eventually go to your drug of choice, whatever that may be. All three of my brothers were heavily into drugs. One sold drugs. The one that was selling the drugs, I was kind of judgmental of. And my sister-in-law said, your drug of choice is food. And it really occurred to me she was right. I mean, I was just escaping my own way. So I guess I'm asking, I keep asking, how do you help somebody get help? Well, let's look at things that can help. Now, we already identified the things that cause you to have these problems. Well, first of all, you have to change your diet. Number one, you got to eat green leafy vegetables. Stay away from meat products if you can. Stay away from sugar products and processed food. Because that has an effect on how you think. See, most people that have suffered from depression, anxiety, they look for comfort foods. Yeah. And then what happens is then they start getting overweight and then they cause them themselves to have diabetes or prediabetes and all kinds of other diseases. So it's like a person, a dog running away from its tail. Doesn't work very well. Right, right. I just was studying that nutrition and your mood. Food actually helps with your mood. Mm-hmm. Most people don't realize that. Right. Meditation. Mm-hmm. Very important. You got to learn how to meditate. Now the internet is loaded with information about that. Yeah, so good. You have to calm the mind. You have to take control over the controls. Yeah. Now, exercise is primary. You need to exercise at least four to five times a week. Not just anaerobic, but it's not just with weights. You have to do it aerobically to get the blood flowing, to get your energy flowing. And 
But exercise, what it does is deplete stress. Stress depletes dopamine. Now, dopamine and serotonin are feel-good drugs that we manufacture to feel good. And that's what addicts chase to feel good with drugs, alcohol, and food and other behaviors. Right. So you want to exercise at least 30 to 45 minutes a day, at least five days a week. You could do it walking. You could do it swimming, bicycling, anything to get your heart rate up to where you're just breathing a little heavy, but not too heavy. Then drink plenty of water. Okay, your body is made mostly of water. And if you don't drink enough water, the toxins stay in your body and they don't leave. Mm -hmm. The body goes through stress. Stress causes you to act out with either drugs, alcohol, or food, or whatever. So you want to learn how to deplete the stress. And you need to go to meetings, whether I don't care if you want to go to church, if you want to go to NAAA, wherever you want to go, but be consistent. Is that because community? Well, that's because for a number of things. If you go around like-minded people mm-hmm. and you're on that road, yeah. you know, look, drug addicts hang out with drug addicts. They don't hang out with people that don't use drugs. Right, right. That makes sense. So it's the opposite. And get a good therapist. You get to deal with those things that you don't want to look at. And don't beat yourself up if you don't do it perfect. If anybody perfect, let me know because I want to pray to them. Everything's a lesson. There's no failure. I really love that. Well, it's true. Because it's how you look at your life and how you deal with your life. And, you know, and, and all the things that happen to us, there's a reason for it. Right. And you got to figure out the reason how to make the most of it. If you stay in the problem, you're never going to get into the solution. You know, the 70s were a little bit chaotic. There was six kids, lots of drugs. It's really played a role in my life. Drugs and I was eager to talk to you and I, I really love everything you've had to say. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you've really given concrete ways to go about fixing things. And so could you just say the name of your book one more time? Yeah, it's the kid from the South Bronx who never gave up. Now, there's another one that I wrote. It's called How to Beat Your Addictions and Live a Quality Life. The way I wrote that book is I interviewed about almost about 200 addicts and alcoholics and people that had other behaviors. One of them that was successful in their recovery, yeah, not just quitting the drugs or the behaviors, but living a life of recovery. I wanted to know what they did and what they didn't do. Then I interviewed people that chronically relapsed, about 150 of them. I want to know what they did and what they didn't do. And I put mm-hmm. that in the book also. And then I put my own stuff in the book. So, and it's short little paragraphs that you don't have to read from cover to cover. You can just go to where you're having a problem. In spirituality, if it's anger, if it's relationships, and you look at that page and see if it can help you. I'm not just going to wake up and be healed one day. It is always going to be a journey. I'll always be healing and growing. And it's just the process of how much better each day I get. I sort of kept thinking that I'll wake up one day and just everything will be behind me, but that's not how it works. <laughs> Sometimes every day is a challenge. You know, when I was coming up early in recovery, I used to say, when is this going to get better? This is terrible. Yeah. I was homeless when I got clean. I got divorced and I wanted to be homeless. I wasn't making any money. I was broke. I mean, it was terrible. Mm-hmm. And I used to say to them when I used to go to group, and I used to say, did you use today? I said, no, it already got better. Right. And you know, looking at it in hindsight now, they were right. 
Right. It was bad because every time I used, life got worse. Right. The bottom line is, look, just don't give up. There's always hope. And just keep moving. It's hard to hit a moving target. Yeah. I really, really love that. Thank you. That is the goal of the podcast. So you are the perfect guest. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of See Beneath Your Beautiful, hosted by Hara Allison. And thanks for your ratings and reviews. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Stay tuned.